0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. We are tracking through um, a series here at the beginning of the year that we've just titled Refreshing. And we're, we're looking at this concept that God has called us. And in Christ we have this opportunity to be fresh again. Things went awry a long time ago with humanity and we came on the scene and things were broken and messed up. But also when you and I came on the scene, something had happened a couple thousand years ago that allowed correction and refreshing to take place and that's the completed work of Jesus. And we've been looking at this concept that that real transformation comes from being a new creation from being fresh again. Now see we can't make ourselves new creations. Only God can begin to do that. And Paul speaks to the Corinthian church and there in his second letter to the to the Corinthians and we're, we're reading this in the message translation. Cuz if you've been a Christ follower for a long time, you're familiar with Second Corinthians 517, and we can sometimes begin to kind of get used to its verbiage. But let's look at it in the message translation. It says, now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. The new life, virgins, look at it. Look at it. Look at the new life. There's new life taking place. Anyone who's in Christ, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. Now what we're talking about in this new series is is looking at what it means to live out that new creation. Because sometimes what we can do is we can see the old creation still kind of limping along there still kind of messing things up. We're like, well, I thought I'm a new creation. Why do I still have it, these old things, these old problems? And one of the things we, we find is that the new creation brings us a new heart. We looked at that last week. You can find that on our website or on our podcast, but that this new heart allows us to begin to respond to God and to humanity, to other people in a fresh way. And then today we're going to look at the fact that This new creation also gives us a new mind, a new mindset. We've, uh, Cutie and I have been blessed with uh, seven children. That's right. If you're new here, we have seven kids. And so my oldest got to, uh, is on his way back from New York. He was preaching up there. And so there's snow on the ground. And uh, my youngest is four years old. And so, and then we also have one a little older than her six years old. And a couple of years ago, um, then the two of them were playing. And they're little girls. They play dress up. They play, play prissy stuff. They do girly stuff. And so, we don't have the same thing with the boys where the boys, one of them comes in with a nod on their head because they got, you know, hit with a stick or a rock or a ball. And so, there's not a whole lot of crying that comes out of their play like it did when the boys would play together. Um, but one day, all of a sudden, out of the living room, Pressy just starts, our youngest one, just starts crying. And she's just a pain cry, not a frustrated, I'm angry cry, but a pain cry. So you get the parental response. You get up, you begin to move in there and check on things. And, and Colin kind of heads me off at the pass. And so that's never good when the older one, you hear the youngest one crying and the older one meets you at the door. And they're one to kind of plead their case. And so, so she heads me off at the pass as I'm headed into the living room, and she has never, had never, ever, ever done this before. It's always been daddy, daddy, daddy. But she walks up to me and says, "Pastor Brandon." (laughs) Um, I'm daddy. (laughs) Pastor Brandon. I accidentally was in the rocking chair and rocked on Pressy's toes. And I did not mean to rock on her toes. And I'm like, you know, sweetheart, I get an accident. You don't have to call on my pasterness to be able to to address this issue. Hopefully daddy is enough. But she wanted to make sure I had a certain mindset on. Whenever I began the interaction with her. And you know what? And she understood something that that every Christ follower needs to understand, that your mindset makes a difference. That sometimes your your mindset needs a reset. And that's what this new creation is all about. That our mindsets need a reset. that, That we are dealing with life and interacting with life and we're doing things. And God's ways are higher than our ways. God's ways are different than our ways. But None of us come to God in a vacuum. We all come to God with, with experience and ideas and, and hurts and wounds. And it creates actions and reactions to all sorts of things in life. And we feel like we've kind of have figured out how to bump through life in the least hurtful way. And then we come to God and all of a sudden he's called us to live differently. He's called us to live in a different kind of way and sometimes his ways look like God, I've tried it that way and I get hurt. God, I've tried it that way. You've asked me to love and loving's rough. Loving people is hard. You've asked me to, to forgive and people do it again. What's the point in doing it your way, God? I, I think I'm gonna come and I'm gonna get back to my old way. Our mindsets need a reset. But we need to understand this truth that to, to live in the fresh life, God gives us we need to let him refresh our minds and we have to be open to it we have to be open to the idea that our minds need to be renewed that they need to be changed because see we can never become what God created us to be apart from him we can't be what he's called us to be out on our own we can't say God I think I've got a pretty good idea of what life My way looks like and how I need to do things for you. And I'm going to kind of take it from here. That's not the way this thing works. Let's go ahead and look at Romans chapter 12 verse 2. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will. His way is good it's pleasing another way it's 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 pleasant it's not just good and difficult it's good and it's pleasing and ultimately his will is perfect so many times we can see the God and think we have God's plan and go God you got a pretty good thing going there but man I I think I see some problems with this you didn't factor in you didn't factor in my family you didn't factor in my boss. I get the whole forgiveness thing, but you kind of wrote this before. This Joker was born. And if I find you if you had written this, you'd say, forgiveness except for that guy. <laughs> and so I get it. You didn't know about him yet, maybe. And so, but his way is good, pleasing, and it's it's perfect. Russ this past week sent me um, this, this passage of scripture. In uh, the Living Translation, I want to read it in the Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. Then you will learn from your own experience how His ways really will satisfy you. As we begin to let God change the way we think and see things. Man, all of a sudden life will begin to shift. But we have to understand that there are, there are two mindsets that are at war with one another. They don't, they don't mesh. They don't like one another. And we can flow in and out of the two. In fact, Paul talks to the Roman believers here in Romans chapter 8. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Pause. Those who live according to the sinful nature. Now, he's talking to believers. He's not just saying, oh, those crazy people out there in the world who are away from God and are clueless about who Jesus is and what he's done. No, he's talking to Christ followers. Some of us can still have old patterns and old stuff that comes up. That's why, first off, you and I have to be radically patient with one another. Radically. Patient, Because we hold up this idea that God is moving each of us into a place of Christ-likeness. So as we begin to look at our own lives, we want to look into the image, into the mirror of who Jesus is. And say, God, mold my life more and more into the image of Christ. That's where he's taking us. But see, what we can't do is then begin to look at one another and say, "Mm, you don't look very Jesus-y to me. There's pieces of you that just aren't very Jesus-y. They're not very Christ-like. Now we have to be radically patient with one another and let that image be what He works on the inside of us and give one another radical room and patience to let God do that same work we're letting Him do in us, do in one another. So there are Christ followers who the, the sinful nature, the sinful flesh, other translations put it, this the stuff that we deal with still has its pool and its, its mind is set on what that flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws or God's ways, nor can it do so. It's hostile to God. When you say, well, man, I, Pastor Brandon, I'm not hostile to God. I'm in church. I was just worshiping. I love God. I'm not hostile to God. Now, wait a minute. What this is talking about is our minds being hostile. Our minds being hostile to God and certain elements of God. So all of a sudden, just because we say we, we love God doesn't mean that all pieces of us are, don't have, are, are aligned up and don't have some hostility. We see this in our earthly relationships. I love my wife dearly. My wife loves me dearly. But she knows that there are some, some subject matters we are still working on finding agreement on. And when that, those things come up. That there can be some potential hostility between the way we think. You have that with one another. You have that with one another. You love this person, but you know we're gonna we start talking about this, and our mindsets are hostile to one another on that front. That doesn't mean you don't love one another. That doesn't mean you don't care about one another. It's that you're not just in full alignment in your minds. Now, where we need to make sure that that we find full alignment is full alignment with God. So what we need to do is say, God, I love you and reveal to me any place that my mind is hostile to you. So how do you know if something, if, if a part of you is hostile to God's ways? Well, when you're reading the scriptures and something comes up and you're like, mm, I don't know about that. Maybe maybe the whole thing on, on generosity we talked about earlier. Maybe we look at that. Maybe we look at a place of generosity and go, Uh, You know what? I've seen that abused. There have been a lot of these preachers who've just abused this whole generous thing. And I I just think it's overblown. I I, I just don't want to go there. I just don't want to deal with that. Maybe it's that place on forgiveness. Forgiveness to a point. Forgiveness to a point. Who knows? Maybe it's on on the way that you interact and, and work. And you're like, you know, there are people who we love and there are people who we hate. When God's called us to love everybody. We begin to go into a deeper place of alignment with God. When we let those places that rub against what the Spirit of God has wanted to do in our lives a little bit the wrong way, that are hostile to God, we let those begin to be transformed and shaped. See, 2 Corinthians 10 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Again, he's talking to Christ followers. He says, we do this. So that means some Christ followers are going to have thoughts that aren't obedient to Christ. You're going to have some mindsets that aren't in line with who Jesus is and what he's about. And we have to open ourselves up and say, Holy Spirit, God, begin to work in me so I become more and more like you, that's where we're going to live in the freshness that God has called us to. And see, we have to recognize that the, that the power of the lie keeps us trapped in old patterns of destruction. See, Jesus let us know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but that he comes that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And that number one place, the number one tool of the enemy is this place of the lie. Let's go ahead and look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we're going back all the way to to where man, where we have Adam and Eve in the garden, they're connected. Before we read this, I just want to remind you. God created Adam and Eve. There was, everything was taken care of. There was no sin. There was no animosity. There was 100% connection with God. Relationship with God was right. Relationship with, with, with the two of them was right. Things were so pristine and their their mindsets worked so functionally that there was no need for clothing because there was no understanding of the improper use of the of the naked human form so things were just things were just perfect they were perfect and God had created this beautiful place in all of beautiful creation he created an extra beautiful place called the Garden of Eden and he put man in that extra beautiful spot and said there's there's this place that you can eat, and it's the tree of life. And then there's another tree, and you can have any, uh, any tree of the garden, but don't eat of this one. Don't eat of the one that is the knowledge, of <clears throat> the knowledge of good and evil. So now we pick up. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Now a little side. The original thing did not say don't touch it. I'm really convinced Adam kind of like said, just don't even touch it. And so, um, but anyways, we're not supposed to eat it. And then verse 4. It says, you will sure, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Here it is. God says you're going to die. The serpent says, no, you're not. There's no gray area on this. Somebody's telling the truth and somebody's not. There's no gray area on this. There's not any other way to interpret this. There's, there's this thing. One is right and one is not. Now, let's put ourselves where Eve is at at this moment. She has never experienced anything horrible, difficult in her life. She's never turned on the TV and seen pain and destruction all over the place. She has never personally experienced pain and destruction. She's never been had anything withheld from her, lied to, any of these different things. Never had any experience whatsoever that somehow God was nothing but 100% good and then now here comes this other voice saying "Hmm. no no that voice that initial voice you heard was not right you will not surely die the serpent said to the woman for god knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like god knowing good and evil all of a sudden now you do this and you're going to be like god he's He's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be like him. Now remember, they were made in the image of God already. They were made in the image of God already. And he says, and tries to entice them with something they already are. You're going to be like God. And he throws in the little thing, but knowing good and evil. So here's Eve. Eve. Experience nothing but good and wonderful and believes the lie. Decides to go ahead and take it, eat it, and she takes a hold of that piece of fruit, eats it, and steps over from life into death believing a lie. Believing a lie. See, John 8, 44 says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, ultimately, that's the the enemy's number one tool. And he's used the power of the lie over and over and over again. We see history full of destructive lies. Because if I can get you to believe a lie, I can now believe get you to begin to make decisions based on that. Let's roll back history just a few decades. Jump across an ocean. Begin to feed a group of people the lie that There's another group of people that are the cause of all your problems, that they are not fully human, that we need to begin to to put them and stick them in a special part of town, begin to cordon them off. We want to make sure that they don't begin to, to mess with our society, so let's put a little sign on them, let's put a little star on them so we... Can make sure that we recognize them on site. Let's begin to say that well, that maybe there's some good use for them and they can begin to begin to do some of the hard labor and some of the stuff that us more intellectuals and whatnot, we can begin to give ourselves to some higher things. Now we begin to see that actually they're not even worth that, and we can begin to then slowly begin to, to kill them, and then all of a sudden now we say. Well, no, it's even worse than we thought. And we can actually begin to build these huge camps and and these huge machines and these huge things to begin to take them out and dispose of their bodies and have tons and tons of people go right along with it and feel like they're doing the world good. If I can get you to believe a lie. Roll society back even a little further and get you to believe a lie. That maybe there's an entire race of people that somehow are less than another race of people and that it's okay. It's okay to go over to to where they live and to round them up and to stick them on ships and to put shackles on them and to carry them and make them live and work under the oppression of slavery because somehow this is the way things ought to be. If I get you to believe a lie, we can build an entire economy on this. Begin to build entire social structures on this. If I can get you to believe a lie. Sadly, under slavery here in America, there were tons of Sunday morning gatherings where people who opened the scriptures and were not, did not have the wherewithal to see that a God of love and peace would not say. That that kind of slavery and oppression was alright. But it's all based. It's all based on a lie. We move it more into today. If I can get you to believe that you're too heavy when really you're carrying the right amount of weight for your frame and your build. But every time you look into the mirror, all you see. Is a broken image. I can get you. To stick your finger down your throat. And remove all the nourishment. You should have had. And bring malnourishment on your body. And still see. Something that's not real in the mirror. And begin to bring destruction to yourself. If I can get you to believe a lie. If I can get you. To believe a lie. That there is no hope. That nobody cares. And nobody's out there. Then I can get you to take too many pills or I can get you to do something in one desperate moment begin to take your own life if I can get you to believe a lie if I can get you to believe that God is harsh and uncaring and demands all of these different things out of you that you've got to somehow claw your way to God then I can begin to have, have this huge rift exist between you and God. If I can get you to believe a lie. See, when our minds are aware of the reality of God's love for us, then we can begin to choose to live in that reality. And the enemy wants to come in and distort everything and get us to believe lies on all of these different fronts. And rob us from the truth that exists that we have a God that loves us so much he pursued us. That he came after us. That that's the truth of who our God is. Sometimes all you need to do is, is turn the light on. Just begin to see it. Don't live in the dark anymore. Turn the light on. My family grew up and did a lot of our vacations <coughs> doing uh, camping trips and all that kind of stuff. I still love to, to tent camp and to, to do that. And um, we did a lot of our trips to Inks Lake out <coughs> towards uh, Austin area. And there was one day that uh, me and dad had, were getting ready for the, for the evening had gone to, uh, um, gone to the restrooms and were coming back. And so dad had the flashlight. And uh, is, there any, is there something serious happening? Do we have a tornado or anything? Huh? Amber alert. That is serious. Here, let's just pray right now for that. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Lord, for, for whatever child is missing. Lord, that you just intervene right now and we just thank you, Lord, for that child being brought back to their parents, Lord. That the, 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 that the authorities and all looking for that child, Heavenly Father, for that person, Lord, are just have your, your divine eyes. Lord, Lord, I thank you for this, being, this situation being turned around quickly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But we're walking along. We are walking along. And just, I'm walking by my dad. I'm about 10 years old and dad's got the flashlight. And we're walking along, and all of a sudden, my, I'm in mid-walk, and my dad says, stop! And I stopped like this. I didn't finish my step. I didn't turn around and say, what do you need? What do you want? I was just walking. He said, stop. And I just stopped. And his, the flashlight was shining down, and there was this nice, shiny, black water moccasin walking across the little path, slithering across the path. And... Uh, And I was about to step right in the middle of its back. And there was was danger waiting for me in the darkness. And I didn't even know it. But when I was willing to listen to what my daddy said and respond quickly, it saved me a lot of pain. It saved me a lot of pain. See, God wants us to walk with Him. God wants us to trust Him. God wants us to respond to his word and to to what the the promptings the Holy Spirit gives us and not have to to have a debate, not have to go back and forth on different things. What do you mean? Do I need to stop right now? Do I need to stop eventually? What's going on? No, just when he says, stop, stop. That's what he wants for our lives. John 16, 13 says, but when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. And then John eight thirty-one, says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, knowing what to actively think about helps us to harness stray thoughts. The earlier we talked about that there's this, this pull within us. Philippians 4a says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then Colossians chapter 3 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This morning our bottom line is is that new thinking brings new life. The new life that God has called us to live in is only going to be lived out as we let Him begin to bring a new mindset. Begin to shift the way we see life and interact with Him. See fresh life comes when we let God do something fresh in us.